sir. Good to see you. <laughs> well, today, uh, others of you are here. There's, there's plenty online here today um, as, as there's been some sickness and stuff going around because it's, it's our turn in Indiana. Um, but, but that's okay. We can still gather together in person, online, wherever we may be and, and share our story, right? You, you heard some highlights, some lowlights, some, like, like, like Kai over there, he was like, I'm here. Like, this is a highlight of my life right here. I know. And, and so he's excited just to be here today, and, and I'm excited that he's here. But um, I, I, I didn't want to give you, like, the way I was starting off the sermon, because I actually start off at, at somewhat of a low point in my life. I was 10 years old. How many of you guys remember being 10, right? And, and if, if you've met my son at eight, like that was me, um, he, Grayson is just bouncing off the walls, like ready to like take life by the horns, do everything, experience everything, like tackle everything. Like, he is, is, is ready and raring to go, and, and that was me. Um, but I was in a town called Luella. Nobody knows where that is. And it was actually in, in Texas, Luella, Texas, and the population was a little under 700. There were, there were literally more cows in Luella than there was people in Luella. And, and so I lived on this kind of cul-de-sac area. It was called Dixon Circle. I still have the street sign in my house because I was that bored and I took one. Um, and, and so I've, I've not always been the best, and you're going to hear more about that because um, I there wasn't a lot of kids, there wasn't a lot of people, um, but there was this Dixon Circle, and, and I had some friends around there, but, but some were older than me. One was about five years older than me, and so him being 15, me being 10, um, we would explore and just go out and, and go through the woods and tip cows and shoot cows with BB guns and light firecrackers and chase them and everything like that, um, fish together. But one of the things that, that we got into um, right around 10 years old was we would break into houses together. <laughs> like, like he taught me how to how how, how to like pick the do- the window and to, to pick doors and the whole credit card thing, and it works, and um, you don't need to try it out. Um, and and so this this is not kind of a highlight of life. Um, it's actually probably a, a lower part in my story because we had some neighbors that had just moved in, and 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 they they were a couple years younger than me, but but I had befriended them and had been hanging out with them and over at their house and stuff. And and so Seth, which was was my older friend, he was he was out of town, and and I had I had been over at their house when they got groceries. And and I don't know what your weak spot may be, but but mine has always been those beautiful, beautiful oatmeal cream pies. <laughs> All right. It's just the perfect amount. Or I mean, they could double stuff it, and those are good too. But, and they've gotten bigger and bigger over the years, and, and they've always been my weakness, and so please do not bring me any. Like, like, sometimes you guys bring me stuff and don't. Like I do not need that. I'm down two pounds. I've been drinking my water, been working out, and, and so I, I do not need your temptation. Get behind me, Satan. And, and, but, but they had oatmeal cream pies. They also had some Gatorade, and I, I like me. It was blue, and, and, and I remember it um, to this day. And not only did they have oatmeal cream pies and blue Gatorade, but also at their house. See, we had one of these towers on the side of our house, and it like went out and sprawled out all over the place, and it got these free TV channels. Well, they had one of these big, giant domes in the back, and they had hundreds of channels, and so they had satellite TV, and, and I didn't know what that was or what all was on there, right? And, and, and so, so I, 
as, as, as I befriended them and hung out at their house and, and helped them even carry in the groceries, I, I guess it would be a premeditated crime if, if, if I saw that stuff and then went to their back room and unlocked the windows so that I could get in there when they weren't there. And that's exactly what I did the very next day. I decided to break into their house and and eat those oatmeal cream pies and, and, and watch that satellite TV and, and drink that Gatorade. And I, was, and I was so like excited, like watch them leave and break into their house and do this. And now, now I'm 10 years old and I don't know a lot. And I'm 39 now and still don't know a lot. But um, I know not to break into houses. Um, and, and so I, as, as, as I'm sitting there, though, whether they forgot something or just came back early, here comes this white Jeep Cherokee turning down into the driveway, and I don't know what to do at this moment. I, I turn off the TV, and, and I know I, I don't want to get caught eating their food, and so I go and put that back in the pantry, and, and, and but then I freeze. I freeze as, as, as the Jeep gets closer and pulls in the garage. I, I don't run out the door. I don't go out the window that I came in, and, and I decide to do what any brilliant 10-year-old would do, and I jump behind the couch. And so in comes the family, and they take a left inside, and I'm, and I'm cowering behind the couch, hoping they won't see me in all my brilliance. And the little boy, Billy, what are you doing here? It's a lot like that, right? And, and, and what are you doing here? Um, um, and here comes the sister. Billy, what are you doing here? Uh, uh, mom comes in. Billy, what are you doing here? Um, and I... I couldn't, I, there was nothing, there was, there, was, there was no premeditated lie to come up with to tell them, and, and I said, well, I, um, I, I broke into your house, and, and, and at that point in time, the mom goes, no, you didn't, I'm like, oh, I'm off the hook, and she's like, no, you didn't, you snuck in, you ran in as we, we drove in the Jeep, and you, you, you snuck, no. And so I go through the scenario, and I tell her, you know, the other day we were carrying groceries, I saw what you had, and I, and I really wanted it, and I, and I went ahead and unlocked the window and came back while you were gone, and I was eating your food and drinking your drinks. I said, Billy, I think it's time for you to go home. <laughs> See, that's, that's not a, a high point in my life. <laughs> that's, that's a fairly low point and, and, and something I, I, I learned from. See, I'm not really proud of that story, but I tell you that story today because maybe, maybe there's parts like that in your story. There, there's, there's parts like that in, in your life that you're not proud of. And, and maybe it's not 10 years old and you're like, oh, okay, that's, that's Pastor Billy when he was 10 years old. Well, in my early 30s, as I'm pastoring this church, stress and anger was getting the best of me. And there was a point in time where I took it out against my wife as we were in an argument and pushed her into our garage door in anger and frustration. Didn't take it much farther than that. But maybe your story goes farther than that. Maybe it's a story that's developed throughout your life. Maybe... Maybe today you sit here and, and I, I tell stories like this and, and you think of the moments that you're not proud of. And I bring that up 
Maybe because you're, you're already past that point in the story, and maybe, maybe today you can be thankful for a God that offers us a new story and a new identity. As we talked last week, we talked about the old passing away, and the new can come as we live in Christ. Not just know Christ, but as we actually live in Him and follow Him. I've, I've learned that if you're not satisfied with your story, or if you don't find fulfillment in the, in the life that you've lived, in, in, in what you've gone through, if, if, if more low points are in your story even than high points, then you're probably not alone. Actually, I know at Innovation we, we try to be honest. And, and I'm not going to get you to share it with everybody, but, but maybe by just a show of hands, is there a part in your story, like, like raise your hand if, if there's a part in your story that you're ashamed of. See? You're not alone. We're, we're in this place today, gathering in this place today to look at, at God's story and look at what He has to say and what He wants to do and possibly even how He wants to rewrite our stories. There's an author by the name of Mark Batterson that says, if you want to change your life, start by changing your story. I didn't really know what that meant until I was in my like five-year stint at Subaru and I'm on second shift, right? Second shift, okay? I'm, I'm there and I'm second shifting and, and, and my wife and kids are at home. Now, now, the second shift position was great. I got this, this shift differential, right? That first shift and so I was making more money, and I, and I took this position that was easy. Guys, it was so easy. Like literally eight hours, I'm sitting at a desk, clicking on a computer, waiting for things to break. Like waiting for computers, waiting for printers, waiting for inspectors, like opening up lanes, getting cars shipped to and from, and all I got to do is sit at a computer. It was actually so easy that there were times in, in, in my life that I could be here, because it was while we were planting the church, I could be here at the, the church working, and, and they would call me if they needed me. That was a great job, right? Like you can do whatever you want and, and they'll just, we'll call you if we need you. And, and actually, like, so, so I'd, get, I'd get paid during my eight hours, but I would have to show up about 30 to 15 minutes early and I would get paid time and a half for that and stay over 30 to 15 because I would do all the paperwork and run all the reports and, and, and ship them off. And, and so it was, it was great. It was so, as my wife would say, easy peasy, right? It, it, was, it was so easy. But the fact is my... My family was falling apart. My wife was stressed out more than ever, having one kid on the way and two kids completely misbehaving. They didn't have the influence of their dad. They didn't have that, that structure around. And some of you, you, you know way too much of how that feels. And here I am, three, four, five, almost six months in this job that is so easy and I get to do whatever I want and they're paying me for it and this is great. I have to march into my supervisor's office and say, I'm done. I need to transfer. Why? Well, because I'm not being the father that I'm called to be to my children. I'm not raising them. I'm not there as an example for them. I'm not pouring my life into them. I need to transfer. Well, there's, there's a hold on transfers right now. There's a freeze and, and nobody can move. I said, I don't care. I'm either quitting or I'm transferring. How do you change your story? For me, it was, this is not what, God, I'm not being the dad that God has called me to be to my kids. So no matter the price, no matter the pain, 
I said, I've got to move towards being who they need me to be. Prayed and asked God, do I just quit my job? Do I just, do I just leave? And didn't have anything lined up and couldn't find anything that was lined up. I was like, you're going to have to meet me in the midst of this storm. If, if you're leading me to go, if you're leading me to, to, to take this step, if you're leading me to leave this very cush job and, and, and take this opportunity, you're going to have to make a way where there seems to be no way. And so every time we're praying, every time we're, we're praying over a meal, like on the weekends or anytime I'm there when they're going to bed or waking up, I'm praying with the kids. And we, we prayed for about three months straight and the job opened up. The, the position, someone retired and, and I was able to transfer into this first shift. Well, well, me and my wife knew that that meant a pay cut. That meant no more shift differential. That meant no more like bonuses. That meant cutting out this overtime. That meant that, that things were going to need to get a little bit tighter than, than what they had been. But we said it was, it was willing. We were willing to take that, that, that step in order to follow after where God was leading us. I get my first paycheck two weeks after being in there. And, and as I do, I actually get called into HR for them to give this to me because they had noticed that I was being paid less. I said, Billy, you're being paid less to do a job that actually had more responsibility and more requirements and everything, and, and we think that that's not right. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what's going on right now? Like, and, and so they say, we're going we're gonna to make sure we pay you, you more and, and, and because you deserve more. The only person that knew about the pay differential was me and Mandy and God. Like, I didn't, like, go around like most people do. Oh, this is stupid. Oh, I didn't complain about it. I was, I was happy that I was able to transfer, but God took care. But not only me, but then he raised the rates of all the team leads, and everybody got a raise. It was that, that step of, you know what? This is the story I'm living. This isn't the story that God has for me. I need to move towards being who he's called me to be. I don't know where you're at and what you're, what you're walking through, but the, the story of the Israelites as they exit Egypt is, is a great story. You go through Exodus and, and you can see all of that. And we've got free Bibles, so please take one of those. If you, if you need a Bible, they're also in that innovationchurch.cc app that I told you about. Like there's a free Bible in there and please read along with that. But we're gonna pick up a little bit after the story. Like after they kind of like, like God tells them to go one place and they're like, oh, the giants are too big. We're going to do this on our own. Like, like we're, we're going to pick it up after the story. Now, a little bit of backstory. They were, they were slaves. The Hebrew people were slaves to the Egyptians. That means they did the work. They did the plowing. They did the, 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 the building. They, they, they were beaten. They were whipped. They were raped. They were the ones that, that were the lowest of, of the low in the Egyptian economy. Now, as, as we see this, they're, they're now living in freedom. As, as we get to numbers, we, we, we see this interesting part of the story. As it starts off in Numbers chapter 1, and we'll have the scriptures here on the screen if you want to follow along. It says, soon the people began to complain about their hardship. And the Lord heard everything they said. But then the Lord's anger blazed against them, and he sent a fire to rage among them and destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Like, whoa, this is crazy. And it says, then the people screamed to Moses for help, and when he prayed to the Lord, the fire stopped. And after that, the area was known as Taborah, which means the place of burning, because the fire from the Lord had burned among them talks about this foreign rabbi. It says, then the foreign rabbi who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel began to also began to complain. 
Oh, for some meat. They wanted some meat, they exclaimed, right? It's not like meat eaters, right? Oh, this is some meat. I want some meat, right? Like, 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 you, you're, you're on board with that. Like, these aren't any vegetarians here. But they, they do miss those a little bit too because they say, remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt? And we had all the cucumbers. I don't know why this is so exciting, but all the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions. Like, we had all the garlic we wanted, right? There's some Italian in them, right? <laughs> all the garlic we ever wanted. But now our appetites are gone, and all we ever see is this manna. I mean, yeah, you're not really obeying God. That's interesting. But, but God is still providing for them. There's, there's this stuff called manna. Like, you, you need to read this story. It's a, it's a great story, and it can be found in, in Exodus. But they continually began to romanticize their past. They remember, think about the meat. Think about the fish. Think about all the cucumbers that we had, right? Not the, not the whips. Not the beatings, not missing our children, not our friends dying, not, not, not showing up and the, and the workload being raised over and over and over. See, they were, they were physically liberated. There was this freedom that they were able to do whatever they wanted to do, but mentally, they were thinking of, oh, how, how good it used to be. Oh, the wonder years. Oh, the amazing times that, that, that I used to have. Instead of fixing their eyes on the prize, instead of fixing and, and focusing on God and what he wanted to do and where he was taking and how he was providing, they looked back. Do we do that? Do we do, we do that as, as individuals? We, we kind of dabble in the old us. We hang out with the same bros or same hoes or whatever it may look like or watch the same shows or eat those same Oreos, right? All those things nice and rhyme, right? Like, like there's all these things that, that, that we continue to go back to, this past. that We say, oh, I, I want to follow after you, Jesus. I, I know about you, Jesus, but I'm still going to live in my past. I'm going to chase after my past. But I found change can only come when we, when we can mentally grasp this new reality, our newfound freedom that we have through Christ, something that we didn't have to earn. Like, we didn't earn God's grace. He, while we were still sinners, died on the cross for us. See, in their lives, there was this story that was changing, and they had some obstacles. Maybe, maybe you've had some obstacles as you've tried to change, as, as you've tried to walk out this faith, as you've tried to, to trust in him. Is it something that, oh, I, that's hard. Yeah, hard. Is there things that you have to walk away from? Is there trust? Is there faith? Is, is, is there even some of the things that, that we're going to be talking about in this series? This sowing the seed. is taking the risk, taking the step of faith. See, changing our stories, often there's going to be some obstacles. But I, I've seen plenty of times that it takes action on our part to, to create a change in our lives. See, when, when, when Jesus came, he didn't say, just believe in me. He didn't say, just trust in me. He said, follow me, and I will make you. Follow me, and I will make you. We tried to do that as a church. Like, how can we do that as a church? And one of the things that we said, we could do that even with our Sunday mornings to be that example. So every time that fifth Sunday, if you're, if you're new here, every time there's a fifth Sunday, like, like there's months that have four, plenty of months that have four, but then there's some that have five, and we're like, woohoo! what can we do? Who can we serve? How can we love? 
And, and, and so we get excited when there's a fifth Sunday that, that lands on the calendar. And we say, oh, we, get, we can partner with another place in our community. We can serve. We can love. We can, we can gather some donations. We can gather some blankets, some socks, some shoes. We, we can get together and we can be the church that the world needs to see. I think most of the time we're, we're known for what we complain about or how holy we think we are. But what if, what if we're the church that is known for how we love, for how we give, for how we serve? Because... That's what scripture says. They will know that we are Christians by our love. People like Mahatma Gandhi said, I, I have no problem with Jesus. I have problems with your Christians, the followers of him. Like, they don't act like that. They don't change who they are. They, they just try to add Jesus into their life. They, they're not following after him. He said, I, I have come to seek and to save those that are lost. Will, will we do that? We do that on a, on a fifth Sunday as an example to show, hey, we can do that. But we can also do that on Monday. We can do that on Tuesday. We can do like even Miss Tara last time, just bragging on her just a little bit. As a single mother trying to get out of a horrible situation. She says, I'll help. I'll help. Probably put her husband to work and said, he'll help. <laughs> he'll carry those boxes. Like, he'll help move all this furniture. He'll, he'll do all this stuff. And rallying others and saying, we can help. We can love. Yeah, that means we're going to upset some religious. We're going to be friend senders. Ministry sometimes gets a little messy around here. If our, if our worship leader's wearing a hat, then maybe our pastor's probably going to show up in a hat, and maybe the whole house is going to show up in a hat, or, 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 or maybe there's going to be some ankle monitors in the room, and we've got to be okay with that. To know that we're on the right track. For me, that shows we're doing exactly what God has called us to do and to reach that 67%. If some of you don't know, that's kind of our mantra around here. Yeah, you, you walked in and you saw these signs. You saw, we follow Jesus, but then you probably saw this. We, everybody asked, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, in 2010, when me and my wife moved here, we, we tried to find out what's Lafayette. And so I got a job at Subaru because I figured I could meet a lot of people and know a lot of the heartbeat of Lafayette by working with them. Um, but then we also looked at the census data. In 2010, the religion section, there was Christianity, Catholicism, Hinduism, Buddhism, 67% of our county checked none. We said, oh, we've got to do something to reach those none. What we found is that a lot of those nuns aren't like, I hate God, I hate Jesus, they're, I hate the church and what it's become. And how, how it's just come and sit and, 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 and never and go through the motions and stand and sit and up and down and twist and turn and left and right. And when does it ever begin to look like Jesus? We're not perfect around here. And, and, and in fact, we, we're not better than any other church in this area. One of, one of the signs you walked right past, it says it's not a competition. Actually, try to partner with other churches. You heard about the fusion thing that we do. He said, sunrise, we're at sunrise tonight. That means all of our students, we gather together with other students in our county from Sunrise Church, from LCC, from Arise Christian Fellowship, from ECC, and say, hey, we're worshiping the same God. Why not do that together? Because we're in the same high school together. We're up and down. We're on the same basketball team together. And we're going to need each other, even if we don't go to the same traditional church on a Sunday morning. See, we're not better. We, we just know that God's wrote in our story a different way. We're supposed to be just a little bit different. And so we know that some of you also know that like, the grave that you were headed towards has now been turned into a garden. 
the, the highway to hell that you were on, you, you've been able to exit. And so we're, we're in this process throughout this year, as we, we even talked about last week, of, of turning the page, of flipping the script, of, of moving toward of sanctification, the salvation that's by grace through faith. Well, that's not something that we're in charge of, but the sanctification, that's when we work together with the Spirit and follow after Him. Now, to make everybody happy in the room, I, I got these pictures of these puppies. I don't know if you're a puppy lover, but I got the, oh, right? Oh, some of you can smell those right now. Some of you that hate puppies, you smell the other smell, and, and that's not godly. And like that. But that little puppy smell, oh, they just snuggle and just cuddle and just get there, and they can't see nothing. And, 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 and so I don't know if you've noticed, though, but it, it happens in all of the puppies, right? right? You, you, you've got, and you can see it here on the bottom. I can't, I can't touch them, but you've got all these big puppies. And then there's always this, this tiny one over here, right? Like in every single like litter, right? Does anybody know what that's called? The runt, right? The, um, that one up there on the one, that one's name's Gizmo, right? <laughs> Gizmo, right? And, and, and so um, now, now Gizmo is, is, is an awesome little dog. And, and there's a rancher that actually, when, when he loses his dogs, like, like they, they get old, dogs get old, they, they pass away. I know it's not, not fun and not anything you want to think about today. Just think about the wrong, think about the puppies, okay? But there's a rancher who always, when he picks like his next dog, because he's got a lot to take care of. He's, he's got a ranch, he, he's got these cattle, he's got these horses, he's got all these things. When, he, when a rancher picks his dog, he, he would always go out and he would pick the runt of the litter. See, the rancher does this because he knows a little bit about the runt. Maybe, maybe you've seen the runt. Like, like it, it's fun to watch the runt. When, when you look over at the pen and, and the runt's there and it's trying to make its way in, but it can't because all the other ones are twice its size. They're all fat and he's just, just moving in and, and getting smarter and, getting, and working harder and, and, and finding a way to survive, finding a way to eat, finding a way to, to get above, to get under, to get around. See, see that rancher knows that Many times the runt is the one that has the heart. That the runt is the one that has the most grit. And if he needs a good dog to get the job done, he knows to pick the runt. Therefore, the runt has what it takes to change their story. What about us in here? Are you the runt? Are you the one that, maybe you're the smallest in the family? Maybe you're the one that's been looked over or passed over, even at work? Maybe the one that's been counted out, that's been pushed aside. And maybe God's that rancher today reminding you, hey, I've chosen you. I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I have a story for you that, that I've already began to write. I'm going to use this bald guy to get your attention, or these pretty puppies, whatever it may be, to get your attention here today. These sanctifications, that two-sided work, where we work in conjunction with the Holy Spirit to change our behavior, to align it, to actually follow Christ. Salvation is one-sided. We did nothing to earn it. I did nothing to earn my salvation. We all have past. And a lot of Christians can, can, can understand the why, why they want to follow Jesus, why, like, Jesus died for me, and, and so, yes, I want to surrender my life to him, but what does the how look like? That's why we're spending seven weeks and saying, okay, what does it look like to win the day? What does it look like to apply these scriptures to our life? It doesn't look like what the Israelites are doing, constantly looking back, constantly going back, constantly dabbling back. Well, you know, no. 
says, I'm moving forward. God has a plan and a purpose for me, and I'm following after him. That's what some of the people are going through next steps right now. Next steps is simply knowing God, right? It's how can I get to know God? It goes through biblical principles. It goes through how to read your Bible. It goes through how to pray, how to talk to God. Like that is the, the first one. And for me, that's the most important one because if you don't know God, you're never gonna fulfill your unique purpose. You're never gonna get connected to that. But the second one is no innovation. Like this, this group, this, this, this church, this body, like, what is it all about? Like, why, why is innovation innovation? And so what makes that tick? That's next week. And Mandy's actually teaching that one next week during the second service. And then, then the third one is, is really fun. It's called Know Yourself. Like, because God's wired you a specific way, given you gifts. And, and there's some great, like, spiritual gifts test. And they'll be walking you through. Amanda and Shane Hudson will be walking you through, like, what does this mean? And, 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 and there's questions and answers and everything like that. And, and you get to discover, okay, how does God wire me? And how can I begin to put these gifts into practice? There's some musicians that are up here on stage because they've walked through that and said, oh, yeah, this is, I do enjoy this. I do love this. And, and I want to use this to help others. And, to, and, and, and that's how I can get involved there. Or some are leading kids like, like, and, and serving and, and loving on kids right now. Some work in the cafe. And they're like, I love to cook and I can serve and I can, I can be a part of this and I can make people happy with some pancakes. Yes, you can not me, right? And, and, and so there's, there's these great things in discovering those. But we've got to say, you know what? I'm not going to do what I used to do on a Sunday morning, right? I'm, I'm not going to wake up with this hangover. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the service early. I'm going to go to first service. I'm going to show up at second service. I'm going to go to these next steps because this is the direction I want to go with my life. And these people begin to change their story, begin to walk out steps of obedience. You've seen last week as we, as we baptized See, see, we, we had our, our bass player, he, he slipped and fell on the ice last night, but uh, our, our, our bass player um, had, early on last year accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. We got to baptize him, big old giant guy. He was actually the last person we baptized in the horse trough. And then, and then but the very next month, not only did he go back from that baptism and said, you know what, we're living in sin, honey, we need to get married. They got married. And then the wife got baptized the next month. And then, then two or three months after that, like last week, we, we saw James get baptized. And, and we saw, we talked about it a little bit last week, how, how David said, you know what? The change in me sparks a change in others. And, and we've seen that time and time again when we begin to walk away from our past. When we begin to take the scripture seriously and apply them to our lives because the past can hold us back and I've seen it way too many times from the future that God desires for us. The purpose that he created for us and if we're not careful, we allow those past experiences and even past thoughts and past disappointments and past stories to hold us captive. For the longest time, the enemy would use that to disqualify for me even being here on stage. And even... The story that I told you. How could I get up and preach to this church when I'm doing this to my wife? Losing my temper. Getting angry so much so that I physically harm her. It was at that time that I sat down with Brian, the crazy guy that you saw in the announcements. 
confessed to him. Asked him to hold me accountable. Asked him to pray with me. See, he was a Marine. And I asked him, have you ever lost your temper with your kids, with your wife, with your family? That I'm in the, I'm in the bad spot where I get stressed out. I can't handle it. And I take my anger and I take it out on the people I love the most. And he said, yeah, I've been there. He, for the next two years, check in on me time and time again. We also went and traveled and sat down with a marriage counselor. I kept, I, that when you fill out the Connect card, we talked about how we send out texts and stuff. One of the things that we did last week, we passed out the book of John and said, don't start in Job or Genesis this year. Start in the book of John and, and see what this Jesus that we're saying we're going to follow is all about. We still have some free ones of these at guest services if you want one, and, and even some more for students if you're here today. They're going through this at the breakfast club anyways. But we sent out one of the texts um, that had a link to, to this program called Uversion, or this app called Uversion. On my Uversion here, we, we, there's a bunch of um, different, uh, different plans and stuff. And, and for two years, I had an anger plan not that I read every single day because anger wasn't getting the best of me every single day. But when it was, I said, where am I going to turn to? Because we're, we're promised in Scripture that if we resist the devil, that he will flee. But I needed to go to something else. I need to put in resistance. I need to say, I'm not going that way. I'm not letting my mind, I'm going to set my mind on his word, on God's plan. So I had an anger devotional that I would go through. There's others that I have going that I'm walking through with even some of you. I'm getting rid of shame, getting rid of toxic influences, unforgiveness of, of life's healing choices, a, a devotional for men. It's saying, hey, we're walking this journey together. Let's, let's when times get tough, let's, let's not turn to the things of our past that we thought used to comfort us, because it really didn't. It kind of just numbed the pain and then sometimes caused more pain, right? Let's turn to the one that's promised to never leave us or forsake us. The one that we sing about, that we, that we raise a hallelujah to, the, the one that has promised breakthrough, that, that we can focus on. See, in 2 Corinthians 10, Three, it says, for although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments, right? We demolish, like many of us like that, right? We demolish, we get to break up, we get to swing that sledgehammer. We go against those arguments. Many times that looks like getting accountable. Many times that looks like you're surrounding yourself with better ways to handle stress. Many times that, that handles like walking in this new direction. For some of you, it might be, I'm demolishing this computer that I continually look at those pictures that I shouldn't. I'm getting accountable to my wife. I'm, I'm, letting, I'm, I'm putting a GPS tracker because I've been known to wander, right? It's saying, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to go this new direction because that's not who I need to be any longer. If it means I change jobs, if it means a pay cut, if it means to break our computer, right? I'm going to demolish this. I'm going to move forward. And every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, we take thought, every thought captive to obey Christ. 
Flipping the script changes more than just mindsets. It's redefining the entire course of the rest of your life. I'm proud to say, and my wife is proud to say, that I'm no longer <laughs> following after my anger. But if we want to change our lives, we've got to change our story. We cannot and will not experience change in our lives until we make the decision to change our story. Begin to take those steps. See, the difference between success and failures many times is the stories we tell ourselves. We've got we've to define that goal and who we want to be and where we want to go and then get some accountability. Like if the goal's there and the goal is 72 steps away, okay, what's step number one? What is step number one to, to stop the addiction, to stop giving into that habit? Many times it is that accountability. It's that confess your sins one to another. Lift up one another as even the body of Christ. If you tell yourself the wrong story over and over and I can't, and I'll, I'll never amount to anything, I'll never do anything, you begin to live a lie. But many times over time, the, a lie believed as a lie is going to affect you as if it's true. So you're never able to get out of that story. I'm, I'm here today to tell you that there's a God that loves you, that cares about you. And he's calling you to follow after him. And are you willing to take that next step? For some of you, you've already taken that next step. It's, it's the grace by faith you've been saved. But what about the next step? Maybe, maybe it's... That, that big old giant hot tub that gets to a balmy 104 degrees is going to be right here at the beginning of February, the first Sunday in February. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe the, the next step after that is, is I'm going to go to one of those next steps class. I'm going I'm to involve this Bible reading. I'm going to get to know this God who left me a manual through life and for life. And I'm going to begin to apply it to my life. I'm going to Slow down and listen for his voice in the midst of this crazy, chaotic world. I'm going to seek the one who loves me and knows me and came so that I can live in this freedom, not go back to my old self, to follow him and to move forward and let him continually make me. See, we can flip the script. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you don't know where you're at or, or maybe everything is so loud right now that you're like, I don't know which way is left or right or up or down. I don't know what to do. We're doing a starting tomorrow and some of your kids are actually receiving a packet that you can do it as a family. It's a 21-day fast. We sent out a text earlier and, and you're actually probably going to get a text today if you actually fill out one of those Connect cards. You'll get a text today that has all the details, not only a reading plan, but, but uh, uh, ways to pray for the next 21 days. And we're saying, hey, let's, let's pray and fast. Now, some people will, will, will choose, you know, I'm going to fast TV. I'm going to fast social media. I'm going to fast sweets. I'm going to fast, fast food. I'm going to fast all food in general. Now, now, that's totally up to you and what you decide to do. But during that time that you would normally chase after those things, choose to chase after God. Choose to pray and ask and believe. Thank him. Pray, pray for you. Pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Pray for your city. Pray for your workplace. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your church. Pray for your world. In the next 21 days, you'll be able to follow that guide. We'll probably be sending out text and links and stuff that you can follow along as well. But maybe, maybe the script begins 
with John today. Maybe it starts for some of you with a budget. Maybe it starts in, in your marriage. Maybe it starts in depression. Maybe it's sit, sitting down with one of our Connect Group leaders. Brian or Susie Burden or Mandy and myself or, or, or Amanda and Shane Hudson and, and sitting down and getting accountable and saying, this is what I'm doing. I don't want to head this direction anymore. Getting a running partner or even a workout partner that can help you be who you want to be. I get to, wow, that wasn't supposed to happen. Um, I'm so excited this morning. As, as I saw my workout partner, his church got canceled, and he's like, oh, I get to come, and I get to see my friend Billy. And one of the ways not to give in to the stress and the anger has been every morning to get yelled at by this bald man <laughs> says, you can do it! And he doesn't know how many times him yelling at me, trying to lift the weights. That same you can do it has been when trying to pastor. His voice is stuck in my head. I can't get rid of it. Jewel, you got to tell me how to get rid of that. 